I don't have to tell you if you were here, but if you weren't, last Sunday was an amazing day. Uh, we hung out, we ate burgers and dogs together, and then we celebrated baptism, 41 people uh, stepping forward, <laughs> professing their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And uh, we're going to be celebrating that at the end of the service. So you'll want to, to be watching for that as we close our service with a, a video that shows those baptisms. And uh, also uh, this morning, before we begin, I just want to ask for personally for your prayers. Dana and I are going to be traveling to England tomorrow uh, evening for a long planned tour of England and Scotland is focused on the English Reformation. I know you're so jealous, <laughs> like history nerd stuff, right? And uh, the next two Sundays, uh, we've got some uh, great guest speakers lined up for you. You've, you've seen them before. Pete Ramirez, who's a, a California Convention Executive Director, is going to be with us. And then uh, Dr. Jeff Orge, uh, President of Gateway Seminary. They're going to be continuing our study in Romans. So you will not want to miss, and I will be watching from England to see who's, <laughs> who's here. Well, um, if you get your Bibles open, today we are completing our study of Romans 6. We are going to be digging into Romans 6, verses 15 to 23. And, and Paul is just continuing to talk about how Christ followers fight sin, like, like we saw last week. And he is just incredibly honest in Romans as he talks about how every Christ follower struggles with sin how we're all in this battle and it's a battle between we know what we know we ought to do and what our sinful natures are trying to get us to do. And I just wanna ask again this morning, don't you get frustrated sometimes about your, your lack of spiritual progress in following Jesus? Why, you probably ask yourself, are those temptations still so attractive? Why don't I love God more? Why am I still so angry so often? Why am I so stingy? Why am I not just naturally more generous? You ever wonder that about yourself? I wonder that about you. <laughs> me too, me too. See, I think, think Romans 6 and uh, Romans 7, Romans 8, we're going to see are so encouraging. I hope that Paul's words are encouraging you. I hope that you are, uh, as we study, gaining a greater understanding of how God changes our lives because Paul is telling us, we've been seeing this, that change is rooted, spiritual change is rooted in our union with Christ. And we experience change as we, we grow in our understanding of this new identity and then as we live it out. And last week we, we saw that living out this new identity means we, we need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And we, we, we make this uh, reality uh, real and more real each day by presenting our members, Paul says. We saw that by presenting our faculties, our, our entire selves to God. This is just something we do. It's how we, we live lives. And if I could put it in other words, it's like we obey God out of the relationship that we already have with him in Jesus through grace and faith. I told you last week, and I want to say it again, we battle sin out of the absolute safety of our justification in Christ. Now, again, Paul has been showing us throughout Romans that 
Uh, people often try to battle against sin in two wrong ways. One way is called licentiousness, and that's where people say sin's not a big deal. Grace is everything. God promises to always forgive us, so why should we worry about sin? It's all about grace. You know, sin your brains out. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, Paul strongly rejects this, as we're going to see again today. And then on the other side, other people, well, they try to say that we have to obey God all the time to, to remain in his good graces, that God's favor, God's love for us depends on our obedience to him. And that's, that's called legalism, and that's also wrong. Paul also rejects that. And what you need to see in Romans 6, that Paul is addressing this issue in a totally different way. And it is so powerful It is incredibly profound. He is saying to us that we battle sin out of our union with Christ, this new reality, because we are loved, because we are justified, because we've been made alive to God by faith, by grace, through in Jesus Christ, we belong to God. And that is our reality. And so we fight sin out of that belonging not to earn God's love, but because we are loved. And it is a completely different motive for fighting sin. Not licentiousness, not legalism. Let's call it the way of love. A new belonging, a new personal connection with God that we call union with Christ. And that connection leads to this new life. Now, this doesn't mean it's easy. And Paul is so honest. We, we see in our own lives that though the power of sin is broken, though it is no longer, our boss, sin still tries to bully us. Have you noticed that? Though sin no longer reigns, it still resides. But we have a new way, a better way to defeat sin. And Paul is, is telling us in our passage today, verses 15 to 23, that it is as we live as slaves of Christ. Slaves of Christ. And with that in mind, I want you to hear Paul's words as, as I read them for you. Beginning in verse 15, uh, this is the word of God. Paul writes, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is the word of God and all God's people say, amen, amen. Amen. 
Real quick before we get into the passage, I, I want to mention uh, something that I know uh, might be a little bit of a question or a, a difficulty for some of us, this, this analogy Paul is using of slavery. And maybe it, it's something you would wrestle with because of the injustice of slavery that is in our country's history. And just a couple of things I want you to note about this. First, uh, you need to know that the slavery Paul is referring to here is not really very much like the slavery in our country's past. It's more like what we would uh, today call indentured servanthood. And, and it's not uh, still a great economic system or anything like that, but it is not the same thing as the evil of race-based enslavement uh, that happened in our nation and in other nations in the past, and that is still happening in many places around the world. And in fact, the Bible condemns clearly that kind of enslavement. Exodus 21, 16 says, anyone who kidnaps another and sells him must be put to death. And then in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 in verses 8 through 10, Paul himself, he puts slave traders, the people who enslave in the same category as murderers. So the Bible nowhere approves of slavery as we typically understand it. But secondly, and even more, I think, uh, germane right here is Paul is just making an analogy. Uh, Paul is not here endorsing any kind of social or economic system. He, he calls it actually a kind of a human analogy in verse 19. And, and so he's just using a, a, a picture to help illustrate something we need to learn. And, and so you need to hear it like that. Don't get sidetracked by uh, the analogy. Hear what Paul is actually saying. And it starts really in verse 15. Notice again the questions he's asking. He says, what then? He's referring to verse 14. Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And then he says again, by no means. And as we have already seen, this is the main question that Paul is dealing with in Romans 6. Does grace encourage sin? It's essentially the same question that he addressed back in verse one. And as I explained two weeks ago, it's a natural question. You know, if God forgives all of my sins, past, present, and future, then what motive really do I have you know, to obey him and walk in his ways. And maybe you've noticed that the enemy likes to use this idea to tempt us. Maybe you've had this thought even in your own mind, why not sin? God's gonna forgive me, isn't he? He promises he will. So it doesn't really matter. It's all a wash anyway. And Paul responds, and Paul's reasoning really is fascinating. And it's probably not what we in our own selves would ever naturally think. In verses 15 to 23, he is saying we should say no to sin because our freedom is found in being enslaved to Christ. That's where our freedom is found. And that means our highest loyalty, our deepest allegiance is now to God. Since we are united to Christ and since we are underneath his satisfying rule, then how, Paul says, how can we ever willfully persist in sin? How can we presume on his grace? He says that would, that would be to contradict the very nature of who we now are, uh, of what God has made us. And so, again, do not miss how Paul is motivating us to fight sin in our life. Paul doesn't do what we usually do. Paul doesn't use guilt. Paul doesn't use threats. Paul doesn't use 
fear, motivations that I'm sure many of you parents have already used this morning before you got to church, right? He doesn't do that. Instead, he's calling us to see ourselves in a whole new way. He says, we belong to God in Christ. And what this tells us is that a crucial aspect of battling sin is seeing reality and then pressing that reality into our hearts and then living that reality that is truly true about us out in our daily lives. And again, just notice what Paul is doing. I'm referring back a little bit, but if you've been reading Romans 6, you have noticed probably the recurrence of this word to know in verse 3 and verse 6 and verse 9 and verse 16. He says we know some things. There's some truths that we know. And he's really, by implication, asking some questions like, don't you know who you are? Don't you know what is now true of you? Don't you know who you now belong to. And he's just calling us to live out of the reality of our union with Christ to battle sin and battle temptation by living out these realities. And so I ask you, Southwinds, don't you know that you are united with Christ now? Don't you know that you belong to him? Don't you know, don't you know that you are dead to sin and that old self is is gone, that sin is no longer your master? Why are you still obeying it? Don't you know? You see, here's the truth today. Listen to me. You do not have to keep giving in to anger. You do not have to keep giving in to lust or to pride or to fear. So don't give up. Sin is not stronger than you are in Christ. Sin does not have to define you anymore. The Son has set you free and you are free indeed. So Paul is saying, live free. Your loyalty is to Christ. He is your master You're under his good slavery. You can trust him because he loves you. And and, and when you begin to see this and get this, it, it brings a whole new kind of power, doesn't it? There's no power like this power. It is a completely different kind of battle. We fight against sin knowing we've already won. We fight against sin with the confidence that victory is already ours in Jesus. The battle is already won. Jesus has already defeated the power of sin. That's what it means to fight sin out of the reality of our union with Christ. We are joined to Jesus and we are new people with new hearts and a new family. We belong to God. Praise God, right? So out of this reality of our union with Christ, Paul Uh, in this text is giving us four reasons that God's grace never encourages sin. And they become four reasons why we don't want to continue in sin. And the first one we see in verse 16, and it's just simply God's grace changes our loyalties, changes our loyalties. In verse 16, Paul again says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, with, which leads to righteousness. Again, he's using this analogy of slavery because slavery has to do with our loyalties, our allegiance, our, our obedience. It has to do with who owns us. And he says, whenever you obey someone, you're basically admitting that you're a slave to them. You become their slaves. And he, he's, he's just telling us that the way we live our lives reveals where our loyalties lie, reveals our 
deepest allegiance, our true master. How we live shows whose we are. And Paul says we're either slaves of sin or we're slaves to Jesus. There is no middle ground. And Paul has already established, go back a few chapters in Romans, see that the, the, the natural posture of our hearts because of sin is to love ourselves, not God, to rebel against God. Martin Luther, I told you this uh, weeks ago, said that we are in our natural state curved in on ourselves, in curvitas, su, if you, you want the Latin by nature, we are loyal to our desires over God's desires. He says we are sl- enslaved to those desires. And and I know, I know some of you, you're like, well, what do you mean about that, Pastor Mike? I'm OG. I'm my own person. I'm my own man, my own woman. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. Really? Really? I mean, just look at your life. When anger says you should be angry, just tell him exactly what you think. Just throw some stuff. Just break some stuff. Do you say, yes, master, I will. When lust says, indulge yourself. Open that app. Make that phone call. Do you you say, yes, master, I will. When pride says, You don't need to forgive her. You don't need to give grace. She doesn't deserve it. You deserve to be bitter. Do you say, you're right, master, I won't. See, we don't think about it like this, but we should because that is what is actually happening. And Paul is just highlighting how we are always obeying someone. And if you wanna know who your real master is, you just look at your real life. It's not a matter of whether we're gonna be obedient. It's just a matter of who we are obedient to. We're all obedient to someone. You gotta serve somebody, right? And the apostle Paul was saying that a long time before Bob Dylan. See, our culture, it's kind of interesting. Our culture doesn't like binaries these days. Binary is like a bad word. But Paul is saying, here's a binary for you right here. It's one or the other. We're either slaves of sin or we're slaves of Jesus. And so Paul's challenging us just to ask ourselves, who are, who, who are we enslaved to? Who does our life say that our, our master is? And, and it's an interesting thing. And part of the reason we don't get this is we, we, we don't see ourselves enslaved because we think that slavery is about oppression and about coercion. But the slavery Paul is talking about is different because sin slavery is not based on coercion, but on desire. See, people don't submit to sin against their will. They submit to sin because it is their will. It's what they want. It's what we want outside of Christ. We, we freely choose sin. We, we choose sin because we desire to sin outside of Christ. We're always gonna carry out the dictates of sin, the master, unless God releases us from sin's mastery. And this is precisely Paul is saying what he's done in Jesus. He causes us to be born again so that we can believe. And now with new hearts come these new stronger desires and those desires break the shackles of sin and and faith is just us running out of slavery's bondage and into the kingdom of life. See, we would be slaves otherwise. 
And of course, it's a reality. Paul's talking about, he'll really get into it in Romans 7, how we're still going to be tempted and you're still going to be tempted to get angry, still going to be tempted to give in to lust, still going to be, uh, sin's going to still try to seduce you to be selfish. But when the spirit comes and he has come, if you're in Christ and he comes with a more powerful voice, he comes with a new set of desires and the spirit says, you belong to God now. You have new loyalties And God is not out to get you. He is for you. He wants good for you. See, Paul is just telling us sin is no longer your master, so don't be loyal to it. You you don't have to obey sin anymore. I mean, don't you remember how cruel a master's sin has always been to you, how much harm sin has always brought you? Your loyalty is to a good master now. And this just reinforces this grace. It, it doesn't promote sin. See, grace is it's not like some kind of free pass. Grace is a transformative power that changes our loyalties. And so there should be just this kind of a trajectory out of sin in our lives. And if there's not that, if you have uh, sin, unbattled sin in your life where you're giving yourself to it. it. It is revealing where your true loyalties are and we need to recognize this and we need to fight against it. It's kind of a contradictory way of saying it, but it's the truth. It's the deepest truth. Slavery to Jesus is freedom. Have you learned that? Do, do you believe that? Do you live out of that every day? Slavery to Jesus is freedom, and that should motivate and empower you to fight against the enslavement of sin. Here's the second thing Paul says about grace, that it doesn't encourage sin. He says it doesn't encourage sin because God's grace transforms our destiny. In other words, it changes the path we're on. Look again at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death. And I want you to stop there. He he is saying, if we make ourselves available to sin to do its bidding, it just leads to death. And Paul is just telling us there's this path. It's a path of sin and it always leads only to destruction. It always culminates only in eternal death. The path of sin always, 100% of the time, leads us away from Jesus. 100% of the time, it hurts other people. It harms us both now and ultimately in eternity. Sin always looks like a good idea at the start, doesn't it? But it never does at the end. Uh, If you're a football fan, and I know some of you are, Uh, You probably remember back in February of 2022 uh, when Tom Brady announced that he was retiring as likely uh, the greatest football player ever. Some of you don't want to admit that, but I mean, hey, it probably is true. He won more games than anyone else. He won more Super Bowls than anyone else. He threw more TDs than anybody else. He threw for more yards than anyone else. I mean, hey. I don't know where you go uh, apart from that. Uh, But uh, you may not have heard that right after he retired, this guy bought Tom Brady's last touchdown football for $500,000. The last touchdown Tom Brady would ever throw. 
And I'm sure this guy thought this is an amazing investment that would be worth millions and millions of dollars years down the road. But you also, if you're a football fan, remember that about 40 days, just about 40 days later, Tom Brady came out of retirement. And now this guy has a $500,000 football that's worth about 20 bucks. That's not good for much more than playing catch in the backyard with this kid, right? I mean, here's the thing. Do you hear what I'm telling you? The path of sin is never a good investment. Sin always overpromises and under delivers. And when we remember how grace transforms our destiny and we remember the consequences of sin, we are strengthened to battle Sin. Anytime we walk down that path of sin, it brings devastation. It leaves destruction in its wake. Of course, God is good and merciful and kind, and he forgives us, and he forgives again and again. I mean, what grace. Thank you, Jesus. But have you noticed that God often doesn't take away the consequences of our disobedience? And sin smiles at us and seeks to seduce us and tries to deceive and distort in order to destroy and damage wherever it can. And so here's what you need to understand as you think about this. A a key tactic for battling sin is to see through its deception. Maybe you can remember this. Sin is like a hologram. It's a mirage. It looks real, but it's not. And we must learn uh, to look through the false filters of sin's pathway that only lead to death and see sin for what it is. Sin never gives what it offers. And that means in our lives, we need to learn to look through the anger that we want to express. We need to learn to look through the lust that we want to indulge. We, we need to learn to look through the greed and the bitterness and to be able to say before we sin, I see through you, I see what's on the other side. I've gone down this path before and that image never satisfies because death is always lurking over there. I am not going down that path again. And Paul wants us to see the destiny of sin. And he then uh, flips the script at the end of verse 16 and says, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. He's again, he's painting these two paths here. Slavery to sin's path leads ultimately to death. Slavery to Jesus leads to this pathway of obedience, which leads to life. And one of the things you should know in Romans, Paul uh, uses these words, death and life, not only in eternal senses, but also in temporal senses. And he is telling us here, we, we either experience life now or death now in this world because of the paths that we follow. And when we see this, it reminds us that grace never encourages sin because grace wants us to experience the destiny of life, not death. So again, why? Why would we go back? Why would we return to that old path of sin, slavery, obeying that old master, looking for life and only finding death? Why? So don't let sin seduce you to leave God's good paths You don't have to experience the consequences. And when sin comes calling, always ask yourself, what path am I going to choose? Always remind yourself, I belong to Jesus now. I want Jesus' path. And the holograms of sin's path are tempting, but I know where they lead. I know where they end up. I see through them. I'm going to follow Jesus. Third reason, 
that grace doesn't encourage sin is that God's grace just sets us free. It sets us free to live for God. Verses 17 and 18, Paul is describing uh, how God rescues us from slavery to sin and how he places us under this, this life-giving leadership of Jesus. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, and he's just driving it home, driving it home. We used to be slaves. All people everywhere apart from Jesus are slaves. We're in bondage to our desires apart from Christ, and we could never free ourselves. And he goes on, he says, but now we become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And, and this reminds us that obedience to Jesus and his word, that's part of following Jesus. And if you somehow think it's not, you may not be following Jesus. We exercise the obedience of faith and it's a heart obedience. And that heart obedience produces a new life. And, and how does that happen? Well, Paul says in verse 18, he says, and having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of righteousness. And I want to make sure you do not miss what Paul's saying here. He says, we have been set free. And notice, notice what the grammar is telling us here. It's in the passive voice. He's reminding us we did not set ourselves free. You did not reach through the bars of your prison cell and put the key in the lock and open the door on your own. You did not do that. You did not free yourself. We have been set free by someone else. And his name is Jesus. In Jesus, we are emancipated from sin slavery. And yes, we're not still perfect. Yes, we still sin, but we have been decisively rescued from the cruel taskmaster of sin. We have been brought under the life-giving lordship of Jesus. We have become slaves of righteousness. Do you see ever yourself in the terms Paul is using, slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness? Do you think like this ever? This is biblical truth. This is biblical language. This is how we should look at ourselves. And maybe part of the reason why you struggle so much to be free from sin is you don't think like God wants you to think. And maybe you need to listen to God's word in a new way and begin to think in a new way. And maybe that's the only way you're ever gonna find the freedom that you're looking for. Uh, again, I keep coming back to what our culture tells us. Follow your heart. Your heart is a liar. Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what the word of God says in the prophet Jeremiah. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus because that is where we find the freedom that we are looking for. See, slavery to God gives life. It doesn't take from us. And again, our culture lies to us and says it does. But I want to say it again. Slavery to God is freedom. It is not bondage. And so as Jesus' people, we are free slaves to righteousness. Free slaves to righteousness. Now, one of the things we should think about, I think, as we ponder this, is that our, our journeys out of bondage are all going to look different. 
All of them will be individual journeys because we've all spent different amounts of time in different ways in bondage to the chains of sin. And the reality is, as Paul is talking about, it is hard to learn how to live free. But we we walk this difficult road knowing that God is patient and gracious with us. And so it's just important that we we understand that if we're going to live free, we have to recognize that we are free that our union with Christ is freedom. Redefine things. Again, Paul begins verse 17, thanks be to God. Why is he thanking God? Because God has set us free. God has defeated in Jesus sin and death. God has opened the prison doors. And you know, really when you think about it, faith, faith is just walking out in belief that the doors are open, walking through those doors, walking into the light because we are free. And so in reality, the Christian life in many respects is just learning how to live in freedom. Learning how to live in freedom. You know, knowing that, I think it impacts the way we live in community with one another. Uh, We all bring different levels of baggage and heartache into our walks with the Lord. And when we understand that we we were all once in bondage to slavery, that should give to us tremendous grace, tremendous patience with each other. I heard a pastor say recently that at their church, they have a no flinch policy. And I think we should have one too. You say, what are you talking about? Well, This is what it should be like in community with other former slaves to sin. You should be able to tell anyone here anything that you've ever done and that other person not flinch. Because that's grace. And we were all in bondage to sin slavery. We were all unable to free ourselves. And that means we are all freed slaves, nothing more. And we are all together learning how to live in our newfound freedom. And and yes, that learning is going to be harder for some in some areas. It's going to be easier for some in other areas. And that just means we don't compare. We don't compare either in pride or we don't compare either in shame. We just walk the path to greater freedom together. And we just help each other live as free people. We just together rejoice in our freedom. And whenever... For any of us, that old master comes back and whispers to us, you know you want to come back. You know you want to do that again. You know you're too weak. You know that will always define you. You know there's no getting past that. Then we say no, because I belong to Jesus now. See, what Paul is doing here, he's just exposing the lie that grace encourages sin. On the contrary, grace empowers obedience because it sets us free to live under the good slavery of our good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, grace doesn't encourage sin forth because God's grace bears better fruits better fruit, or it gives us better results, or it has better consequences. That's what Paul's talking about in verses 19 to 23. He, he says in verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. And he's not being condescending here. Uh, 
in case you need to hear this, you should never say to your spouse, I am speaking to you in merely human terms. <laughs> Not a good idea. Paul is just uh, admitting the, the weakness, the limitations of this, of this human analogy of slavery, but he's using it because it helps us understand. And, and in verse 19, still he says, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. And here he's telling us something so very important. You ought to write this down. He's highlighting the fact that sin is addictive. Lawlessness always leads to more sin, always. Which is why one of the lies of the enemy that he uses to lead us into sin is saying, what, you've heard this, right? Just one more time, just one more time and that'll be it. But that's a lie, right? He knows, he knows it's not just one more time and that'll be it. And he knows that because sin always leads to more sin. Left unchecked, left unresisted, left unbattled against by the spirit. Don't you know this from your life? Anger always leads to more anger. Bitterness always leads to more bitterness. Lust always leads to more lust. Pride always leads to more pride. Sexual immorality always leads to more sexual immorality. Unbelief always leads to more unbelief because sin feeds on itself and it creates greater appetites for more and more sin and it can only be then satisfied by sinning again, and it just leads you further down the path to destruction and death. And so the Spirit tells us, don't feed it. Don't give in to it. Run from it. Paul instead says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. And he's just saying, consciously, intentionally, purposefully say no to that old path, that old slavery, and yes to the new path, to the new good master. So we consciously battle sin by consciously presenting our faculties, our members to God moment by moment, day by day. And that leads to sanctification, Paul says. And, and sanctification is this big word, but it just means that process by which God makes us more like Jesus. Paul describes it in verse, uh, excuse me, in Ephesians 5 as the process of taking off the old rags of the old master. You just get rid of those rags, right? And you just walk in newness of life. You put on the royal robes of righteousness because you are united to Christ. You are in Jesus. So everything that's true of Jesus is, is true of you. And you just keep doing that every day. And yes, sometimes you put those old stinky rags back on, right? But you just need to repent then, take them off again, be forgiven again. That's walking with Jesus and that's sanctification. Verse 20, Paul says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So you didn't have to think about what God wanted back then. You were free to that, but it was the freedom of death. Verse 21, but what fruit were you getting at that time from those things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. You ought to underline that. You ought to remember that. You should tell yourself that every day. Paul says, why do you want to go back to that shame and that death? I mean, just think about the fruit of sin in your own life. Does it not always produce shame? It does for all of us 
right now, some things are maybe running through your minds, the sexual immorality, the drunkenness, the rage, the lying, the prideful scorn, the bitterness, those terrible words you said, the racism, the abuse, the arrogance, on and on. Sin leads to shame all the time. And God's not being cruel to point this out. He's being kind to us to remind us so we don't reap the fruit of shame in our life. Sin always ends in death. Sin always leaves lifeless things and lifeless people in its wake, in this life in part and ultimately in the life to come. In verse 22, he makes this shift. He says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, again, we don't set ourselves free. God only can do that. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's end eternal life. The fruit, he says, is of God is far better does not produce shame and regret and guilt. It produces life, eternal life, 100% of the time. And you do not have to ever go back. You do not have to ever go back. Paul is just telling us here that you also do not ever have to wonder that when you obey God, when you trust God, whether it will turn out to be something good, he promises that it will 100% of the time. See, Christ follower, hear me. Listen right now. God wants life for you. He is that good. He only wants good for you. He does not want death for you. He wants life and freedom and joy. So trust him. Take him at his word. Do not doubt him for one second because the battle is worth it to fight against sin because the fruit of righteousness is better. And then he closes where we're going to close today. Verse 23, this verse that we often read kind of all on its own, but hear it now in context. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Paul is just saying that sin is like a master who pays his servants with death. But God, he's a good master. And he gives all who follow him the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there's this contrast. The wages, the fruit of sin is degradation now in this life in part and then ultimately in eternity. So why would we coddle sin? Why would we rationalize sin? Why would we justify sin? It's kind of like Paul saying, when will we learn? Sin slavery never satisfies. Let me give you a picture of how sin works. I, I heard recently a pastor in Florida talk about a time when he first moved to his church in Florida and he got invited to go um, to a local Greyhound racing track, kind of an interesting place to invite your pastor, I guess, but I don't know. That's where he got invited to go. And he said, I'd never been to a dog race. And he said, I got there and everybody's, you know, betting on the dogs and stuff. But he said, the most interesting thing about this race was right before the race started, you, you hear the announcer and the announcer said, here's Rusty. And they brought out, he said, this mechanical rabbit named Rusty. 
and they dragged Rusty in front of the dogs and the dogs are going crazy. I mean, they're losing their minds. They're barking, they're snarling. You know, they're trying to tear through their cages. They put Rusty where Rusty's supposed to be. And when they open the gate, Rusty tears off down the side of the track and the dogs tear after Rusty, chasing that mechanical rabbit with everything they've got. And then he said, I'd never seen this before. He said, right at the finish line, Rusty just disappeared. Like he was gone. I didn't even see it happen. He was just not there anymore. And this pastor said, I, I just kind of imagined the dogs in the kennel that night talking to each other. And one of, them, one of them said, man, I almost had Rusty. I was right there. Another one said, yeah, me too. I, I, I almost got him one day. One day we're going to get Rusty. Another one said, you think Rusty's going to be back tomorrow? And we hear that and we think, what dumb dogs. You're never going to catch Rusty. And of course, the pastor said, not so fast. He said, because every morning, some of you, your alarm goes off and it's, here's Rusty. And you jump out of bed. Today's the day. Today's the day. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to get that raise today. I'm going to meet that person today. And finally, today, life is going to be good. And every day, every day, you never quite get rusty. But every day you run again, don't you? Pastor said, sometimes, he said, I learned at the track, sometimes things go wrong and the dogs catch rusty. <laughs> And he says, imagine the poor dog his whole life. He's been chasing Rusty and now he finds out Rusty is like a metal rabbit. He's not even a real rabbit. And they've actually discovered they, they can't let that happen because once that dog catches Rusty, if that ever happens, they don't want to race anymore. And the pastor then said, and that's when we're dumber than dogs. See, some of us have caught the rabbit. Some of you are like, I did it. Assistant manager, I've made it. Finally arrived. Boom. You got the car. You moved into that house. You met the right person. But then you find out it's not really what you thought it was going to be, right? But you see, sin makes us dumber than dogs. So we think, well, I just must have caught the wrong Rusty. I got to catch another Rusty, a new Rusty. But you see, even the dogs aren't that dumb. See, Paul is saying to us, there is only one good, one true master who loves you and who will give you that life that you are truly looking for. And his name is Jesus. It is only in being slaves of Christ that we find true freedom. It's as Jesus himself said in John chapter eight, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed, indeed. It's only in our union with Christ that we find the freedom we're looking for. And that's why we can know that God's amazing grace never encourages sin, never leads to sin. That grace changes our loyalties. It transforms our destiny. It sets us free. It bears better fruit. And so Paul's call to you today, Southwinds, are you listening to the voice of the Spirit speaking through the word of God? Paul's call 
is to follow the path of life. Follow the path of life. Don't give in to sin. It only leads to death. If you are here today and you're not a Christ follower, you need to hear that sin only leads to death and you need to to know that your only hope is Jesus. So turn to him today. Receive him today. The Bible says if you repent of your sins, which means you turn from those sins, if you repent of those sins, and if you trust in Jesus, that means you place your faith in him to forgive you, to save you, to give you the life that is truly life. If you do that, then you will get a new master, and he's a better master because he's a good master. You can do that today. We would encourage you to do that today. And if you already are a follower of Christ, and maybe you've kind of been chasing some rusties that you shouldn't be chasing. That is today the day that you stop and you get back on that path. You, you find your freedom in slavery to Christ, the good master who loves you. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads as we pray. Lord, we thank you. Uh, for this powerful word, this word that Paul gives us for the truths that come from it. We thank you, Lord, for rescuing us, for setting us free. And we ask you to continue to give us power so that we can walk out of the darkness of slavery into the, the freedom of new life and new light. Lord, help us to be a people that help one another to live in freedom for your glory. We want everyone to know how good you are so that they can know the life that you alone offer. We give you thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said.